Max Stacks and the Stack Brothers here from Detroit Discount, the best shop inside the ship husk floating around the Nick's asteroid belt. If you can find us, we'll give you a great deal. Pax, what do we got going on? Well, it's a shame, Max, because people just missed the big sale we had on remaindered mining ships. It was a good time watching people figure out which ships would actually fly all the way to the jump point. Yeah, Detroit Discount publishes full disclaimers that all merchandise purchases are as is, where is, and does not knowingly sell any defective or hazardous materials. Well, once you were helpful, Jax, because that's a great lead into our latest deal. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, God. Oh, God. It is. Sure. People, unless you pull a new ship right off the lot, you know, something's wrong with it. But no matter what it is, you're much better off fixing something that's broken, um, broke in, than buying something that's brand new. Maybe your engine isn't humming quite right, maybe your shields aren't covered the same way they used to, or maybe your weapons aren't putting out the same punch in your negotiations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Detroit Discount does not condone or suggest violence as a viable negotiating method or a means of equitable conflict resolution. Uh, but whatever your issue is, we've got people who can, uh... Take a look at it for you. Our um, suppliers have had some people on medical leave, but they still have hands. So, well, well, most of them do anyway. Either way, they're ready and willing to take your substandard parts and ships and do something extra with them. Imagine that old repeater suddenly repeating at twice the rate it was before. Or that pulse later's pulsing like it did back in the old days. Max, uh, uh, Detroit Discount refers exclusively to component performance and does not engage in innuendo or double entendres in advertising. Of course we don't. Where's your head at, Jax? Anyway, our engineer yeah sure let's call them engineers they will take your ships all parts into their workshops and fix them up for you now mind you they don't do special orders or requests unless you're willing to do a whole lot of extra favors they take the part though they figure out what they want to do with it and then they kind of give it back to you with all the adjustments they just figured out they needed to be made now sometimes there are parts that don't work as well as before but the net result is that they no 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 stop stop what are you doing you can't advertise we're gonna break people's property that's ridiculous jack jack really man come down. Take some pills. Don't you remember? We discussed this all with you last night. I was taking the deposition last night. You were? Well, we discussed it anyway. This is all legit. That's right. Panicking pansy. Industry standard practice right there. Uh, what? What? No, seriously, these are mainstream businesses. Oh my god, everybody's doing this? Yeah, that's right, Jax, but we do it at half the price. When you don't have a fully capable employee making the adjustment, costs are way down. Oh god, Detroit Discount does not knowingly employ unlicensed technicians or mechanics, nor is it engaged in illegal discrimination based on disability and medical condition. You're killing me, guys. Of course we don't. All we do is help our fellow spacefarer. Remember, people. For all of your upgrade needs, think Detroit Discount. Here it is. If you can find us, we'll give you a great deal. Detroit Discount. It'll probably work.
sits and sieves, captains and commanders, you're tuned to the guard frequency. And as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 122 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever, and was recorded on Friday, May 27th, and made available for download Tuesday, May 31st, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Jeff. And I'm Tony. And what do we have this week, Tony? Well, on this week's Squawk Box, we learn all about the Extra Force and the newest country to try space planing. On the flight deck, we see what news has landed from your favorite space sims as we cover details of the Buccaneer from a subscriber reverse the verse in Star Citizen, all the latest greatness and not-so-greatness from the 2.1 1.6 Horizons update in Elite Dangerous, what's been happening the past couple weeks in Infinity Battlescape, and a brief look at two new space sims. We're not kidding. You've goat to check these out. They let you boldly go where Norman has gone before. Next, we debate narrative-driven space sims, and finally, we tune into the very, very large feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Crypto, crypto, crypto. This is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everyone. A couple interesting tidbits this week for you science and space nerds, which probably is all of you. Uh, first up, India just became the latest country to join the Space Plane Club with the successful launch and quasi-successful landing, I guess we'll call it, of the RLVTD, or Reusable Launch Vehicle Technology Demonstration, conducted by ISRO, or the Indian Space Research Organization. India joins the U.S. and Russia as the only countries to launch a glide-recoverable suborbital vehicle. The RLVTD, about a quarter of the size of the U.S. space shuttles, reached a height of 65 kilometers and switched to hypersonic glide at an initial speed of Mach 5. It maintained controlled flight and validated its thermal shielding all the way to its successful utter destruction in the middle of the ocean. That's right, they've yet to build a runway long enough to handle recovering a hypersonic space plane. Maybe on the next round of testing. And also, this is just plain weird for me, but Jonathan Feng at the University of California, Irvine, recently theoretically validated an experiment run by Attila Krasnoshorsky. I know I messed that up. I should have given that to you, Jeff. Uh, at the Hungarian Academy of Sciences Institute for Nuclear Research. Yes, yes, you're saying, Tony. That's what good scientists do. They check the numbers. They peer review. Some guy in Eastern Europe smashes protons into lithium-7, creating, you know, an unstable beryllium-8 nuclei that obviously decay into pairs of electron-positon annihilation. Duh. I mean, but what you didn't know was that the team reported an unexpected bump in pair annihilations at the 140 degree from collision mark. And you know what that means, obviously a possible fifth fundamental force of nature. Mind blown. Experimentalists around the world are buzzing, hoping to replicate the findings in their own labs next year. By this time in 2017, we may find out that the universe plays by a whole new set of rules. You don't mean. I do. Oh, that's incredible. Do, yeah. The, the, there's the, the, the electromagnetic force the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, and gravity. And then they're going to add this crazy fifth thing to it because they found something that shouldn't be there. You mean they've proven the force? Well, you know, <laughs> there's no midichlorians, okay? You know, they haven't found the midichlorians, so it can't be the force. Uh, as soon as they find the midichlorians, then we'll, and then we'll talk. Well, uh, the force doesn't have to be because of midichlorians. The force is actually a result of a fifth 
force of nature or, or a fifth. It's just that the midichlorians actually affect that. But that the force itself is, is just a... You get what I'm saying? No, not at all. Because mostly I try to block out the pre- <laughs> the, the, the prequels entirely. I, I just I just pretend they don't exist. The, the okay. force is what Master Yoda says it is, and it lifts X-wings. That's about all there is to it. Okay. As far as I'm concerned. Um, going back to the news, though, I don't know. This this kind of sounds to me a bit like the time when neutrinos went faster than light. I'm not a hundred percent sold on the fact that they have found a fifth force, but you know, hey, I'm willing for the universe to be patched at any point. Whenever they announce like nothing works the way we thought, no way, it does work exactly how we thought it was. It was just Barry had the microwave on at that moment. <laughs> yeah. He was eating his lunch. You know, well, we we still don't understand microwaves, but yeah. What ha- what this has going for it is that some guys did this experiment and they published it and it just sort of sat there and some theoretical physicists were bored and they looked at it and said oh well you know what this doesn't break any of the rules we know so far and as soon as as soon as that happened a bunch of people went oh well then I guess we better test it then and so <laughs> until until the theoretical physicists said well this doesn't break any rules they're like oh great now we have to find out if it's actually real. So they're gonna. A bunch of other scientists are gonna look at it and, and figure out if it's it's real. Barry might have left the microwave on. That could have happened. But they're they're gonna test it all around the world, presumably in places that don't have microwave ovens nearby. Stay tuned. You know, watch this space for updates in case you want your mind blown again. But in the meantime, I like the uh, the Indian space plane thing. So <laughs> Lennon, you, you this is this is what t- this is what kind of happened. Speaking of this whole things are crazy. Oh my god! So you sent me a link earlier in the week about this space yes. plane thing, right? And it's like, oh wow, you know, the, you know, the, the X thirty seven B is the United States' current unmanned reusable space plane, and this is something along the same lines. And then I read it, I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. I'll put it in the hopper for a squawk box. And then I like go back to it, and I'm like, wait a minute, this thing went sixty five kilometers high, mm-hmm. which is not space. That's 62 miles, which is more than 65 kilometers. So it went really high in the sky. And it, it hit Mach 5, which is fast, but it's not decelerating from orbital speed fast. And then it didn't land. It smashed into the ocean because there's no runway. So it's like, you know, the, the first thing Lennon sends me is like, whoa, cool, India has a space plane, you know, a reusable space plane now. Awesome. <laughs> and then by the time I actually get through researching, it's like, well, we made a model and we set it up into the sky and then we broke it when it landed because it didn't land, it crashed. So I'm like, oh. Yes. <laughs> but I promised Lennon we use it, so I, I, I had to use it. Well, I, I more sent it to you in the hopes that you would actually, um, not that you don't read the things I send you, but that you would have read it in depth and actually caught on to those little subtleties that <laughs> the headline India test new space plane is actually India test plane so, that doesn't go to space and then just crashes it. So, like so what we've what we've know, what we found is that Tony will fall for the clickbait on Tuesday, yeah, pretty much, and yeah. then find a way to weasel out of it by Friday. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. job. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Power Star Citizen crowdfunding update for May 27, 2016. $114,333,000 up about it. Uh, producer's note didn't do change since last time figures since math is hard. Okay. 1.38 million registered accounts and 977,503 ships in the UEE fleet. 
And speaking of Star Citizen, CIG seems to have been dying to put out the Buccaneer because they were talking about it up to two weeks prior to the actual sale, which began last Friday. As a single-seat combat fighter, the Buccaneer fills the role that a lot of people were thinking was going to be taken up by the Cutlass. It's a pirate fighting ship. Few people will argue that they didn't stay focused on the concept with the ship, though. The description suggests that the ship can go toe-to-toe with a Hornet, and on paper that seems like it could be a viable option. The main differences between the two ships appear to be design-related, where the Hornet has a lot of isolated powerful components like the shields, the engines. The Buccaneer has multiple low-powered systems doing the same job. For example, the Hornet has one TR4 primary engine, the Buccaneer has two TR3s. The merits of one ship versus another are likely to feature in many debates, though, within the Star Citizen community for a long time to come. On the immediate practical side of things, picking up one of these ships will run you about 110 US. However, in addition to the ship, the concept sale includes the weapons add-on package. The package will provide an add-on that can be used for any ship that you have, not just for the buck. But they haven't divulged what the exact item is yet. That will be determined based on a survey being run on the site right now. Those backers interested in influencing the outcome should log in and go to the sales page to find the link. Before the Buccaneer page officially went live on the site, CAG had their monthly subscriber reverse the verse. The discussion ranged to many different topics, but here are a few of the highlights. Lots of talk on components. First of all, they're changing shields to be more of an extra skin on the ship rather than a bubble in preparation for the rollout of the new component system. That rollout will probably include power plants, coolers, and shield generators to start. They're trying to rework the damage system as well, so it won't be a straight elimination of a ship's health to destroy it. Instead, certain components will have to be destroyed in order to cause chain reactions, or enough of them have to be destroyed to render the ship inoperable. That also means focusing on some components can simply disable them without wrecking the rest of the ship in the process. They touched on two ships in their discussion as well, the Caterpillar and the Reliant. For the Reliant, they indicated that the idea of a remote news van is still being discussed as a mechanic, including how you would keep yourself safe in the process. Apart from the streamers, the largest use case that they're discussing is the Reliant may be part of the bounty system. If pirates or other baddies have disabled comma rays in a system, but a Reliant catches them on scans doing some nefarious things, the Reliant may be able to contribute to getting that person reported as a criminal. And finally on the Caterpillar, they confirm that the cargo can be stored in the center of the cargo modules. Since you could still use the catwalk to get around, the tractor beam seen in the ship shape is not currently working out as a component yet, so don't get your hopes up too high in that regard. At the moment, the ship is clocking in at 110 meters in length. I really quite like the idea of what they're doing with the shields. I've always found um, in any sci-fi thing that just visually I prefer shields to look like a second skin rather than the big sort of bubble that you get from like Star Trek or TNG, uh, primarily where it would have that big oval shield around the ship. I kind of like the big bubble. I kind of like the big bubble thing, too. The the skin idea kind of just doesn't thrill me as much. However, it does make more of an aesthetic sense when you have these little um, shield systems on your different areas of the ship that kind of link together and provide some type of shield. It just doesn't seem shieldish. Yeah, as a, as a practical matter though, it's like feedback, right? It's visual feedback if you're in a fight. Like if you're seeing shield yeah. flares that are big and fat and curvy, and then all of a sudden those things disappear, you're like, haha, you know, now I'm hitting the hull. You know for sure that, the, that you're not hitting shield anymore, you're hitting the hull. I mean, I suppose like if you do it right with the second skin, you can make that transition, you know, maybe obvious, but as a practical matter, if you're know, in the thick of combat, you're looking at a tiny target far away, 
it's a big difference smacking a bubble than you know uh, maybe you know plinking away at a skin. It just seems like it would be easier to to process visually. I guess the thing is though, you're going to have sensors really. To uh, a lot of people, won't actually be looking out the cockpit window, will they? They'll be looking at what the little targeting icon on their HUD would say about the shot. Instruments, anyway. instruments, instruments. Yeah. So, so I married an axe murder. Anybody? Anybody a big fan? That movie? Mm, not, not I. Not, sorry, not Stephen real. Wright. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Gotta get some. I gotta get some new co-hosts. No movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, sorry. you know, I've got Smokey and the Bandit running in the background now. There's a movie. <laughs> that's right that's right T-Bird with T-Tops that's what you're talking about you hell yeah <laughs> Burt Reynolds mustache of power <laughs> yes you know it, it reminds me though that uh, Elite if I remember the way the shields look like you know, when you hit a shield it looks like a, skin, a second skin uh, in Elite no, it's, it's a squishy bubble I, they try, I think they tried to thread the needle a little bit I mean it's uh, the Elite ships are you know like you know Doritos, anyway, right? You know, that's the that's the stereotype. I mean, yeah. Uh, unless you're flying a uh, you know beautiful imperial cutter, like like some of us are, uh, the 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 ships are compact and sort of squished anyway. So the bubble, it, it's not a skin, but it's 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 a little tighter. It's still a bubble, and that, and that's primarily what I was referring to. It, it's easy in elite to tell when you collapse the guy's shield because it stops being you know the shield stops flaring in a bubble fashion, and you start. You're hitting the hole at that point, but I mean, like I said, it's just you know, and, and of course, Star Trek Online. I'm used to that. Uh, before then, you know, Starfleet Academy, no, Starfleet Academy, Starfleet Command. You had both lines that indicated your shield strength, and the bubble also provided visual feedback. So uh, it's just I'm I'm used to it. I definitely get what you say about how it's got the um, like the prior art sort of connotations to it. And yeah, people would immediately recognize that for what it is. But there is just still something about when when a tiger gets hit, seeing like a, a bit of a ripple go around the skin. I don't know. I just I just find that more aesthetically pleasing. But hey, that's you know everybody has different tastes. You guys are American. I'm not. That probably accounts for eighty, ninety, hundred percent of the <laughs> taste difference. I'd imagine. So there you go. It's all good. One thing I did the the, different, the other discussion we should have is the the damage thing where it, you actually have to destroy components to make a ship go boom. I do like the idea that you know you can accidentally on purpose blow something up, but if you're careful about it, you can avoid blowing something up. Uh, I think that that's a good tactic to uh, to to have. One thing that always has bothered me is that you're with the space games is that. You're in a vacuum where thing where there's not a lot of oxygen hanging around, but things seem to go boom awfully quickly. <laughs> uh, and and I, it, it's like, well, you know, you'd think you'd des- the designers of these ships would have some sort of auto fuel dump or eject the warp core or something so that the explosive bits would fall off or be pushed away at a certain point. It would actually be hard to make these ships explode killing everyone inside and all around it so i think that might, i, I kind of like that concept where you actually have to try really hard to make a ship explode but it's nowhere near as dramatic though true that's true but no I, i'm fully with you there i like that as well and i think it's good because it allows you to if there is a ship that you are just you just want it gone you want it out the way like it's uh, i don't know you're trying to repair a com relay and it's a pirate ship you just want to blow it to crap you know exactly which systems to target on the other hand if it's something that you want to steal like if it's you know the enemy's capital ship, there'd be great advantage in bringing that back, like a Vandal craft. 
then knowing exactly which parts are liable to explode and purposely shooting around them that's mm. that's actually just another layer of gameplay that you can add unlike other previous space games where i know that elite lets you target subsystems and if we go the mmo route you know to sort of compare star citizen almost to uh, our standing star trek online yes you have a skill called subsystem targeting but it's not true subsystem targeting this just right. does lend a whole other level of gameplay because i think you'd possibly even start getting combat specialists might be able to be bred from this whereas you know anybody can just go out there with a laser rifle and shoot everything but it takes skill to not make a ship explode and so i reckon that those type of guys could possibly be in demand after taking the servers down for about 12 hours elite succeeded in producing an update for the masses those with horizons get to enjoy game version 2.1 most of the changes and updates have already been discussed here in the past but at the time they're referring to beta implementations. So now everyone gets to fly around and find engineers to trade with and get upgrades, not just those in beta. Those without Horizon still get to enjoy the benefits of the new mission system in-game version 1.6. There is a full list of changes, but it is, well, I guess the technical term would be f***ing huge, and our producer would have just been embarrassed himself trying to guess which bits the juicy bits truly were, so our regular reporter for this section, Jace, chimed in and picked out two key materials in some engineering projects, meta-alloys and soon-till relics, which were not available properly at launch. Meta-alloys are now temporarily available from Daniel's progress in Maya, and the rare good at Soontil should be available again soon as well if it's not been already fixed by the time this gets released. Meta-alloys are normally obtained from barnacles on planetary surfaces in specific and occasionally changing locations, and if you have a few minutes or a plane ride that you want to get through, we suggest that you go check out the full patch notes yourself. In celebration of the launch, a trailer was produced. The Elite Dangerous team held an eight-hour livestream, and David Braben did an AMA over on Reddit. Links for all are available in the newsletter, a link to which will be available in the show notes. And after the launch fervor has died down, Elite Citizens are going to begin participating in the Dangerous Games competition to become the first player-created power. All that political and physical competition is going to begin next week, so those groups or individuals interested should stay tuned. So I jumped in the other night mm-hmm. with my fabulous Imperial Cutter and uh, loaded up a, a huge pulse laser and nearly got my butt kicked by a novice anaconda <laughs> in a low-res battle. Yeah, I heard so. that the balance was a little bit off. Now, I have patched, but, wow. I, haven't, but I have not been on yet. I, I was watching the hangouts uh, for the horror stories that were happening, and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not going to risk my, you know, pretty ship on something that hasn't been balanced yet. Elliot took his, uh, or producer Elliot, senior producer Elliot, took his anaconda into the, uh, the hazardous red zone, which is a completely different animal now, and he was swarmed by several, I don't know how many ships he had, but, like, there were cops and federal agents and all kinds of hostile contacts and his anaconda tank which he has specced for just you know just a just a massive bag of hit points essentially uh he he said he uh, he was uh, battered to ni- down to 19 percent he managed to kill everything but he had only three operable turrets no engines and no uh frame shift drive so he was basically stuck there he had to try rebooting a couple times do the repair reboot mechanic a couple times and finally got it moving again but he said he just yeah it was just it's brutal now that hazardous section is brutal it's and, almost like it's a hazardous section yeah it's yeah it's almost had we'd, we'd go there and we'd spend a couple hours just racking up bounties and it, it, apparently that's not the way it works anymore 
so be warned out there, commanders. Uh, Elite Dangerous got a little more dangerous with this last patch, so uh, be careful out there. But I, um, I have access to three, I believe, three engineers just uh, out of the gate because of my other my prior achievements in the game. Um, I need to go do a couple more favors to get access to uh, two other ones uh, that are in there. But it gives it tells me what I need to do. It doesn't tell me necessarily where to go, but you know, thank you, Jace, uh, uh, loyal correspondent Jace, for telling me where I need to find those meta alloys at. And so that you know, it gets, it's 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 still a little opaque what you got to do to find things. But uh, you know, it's 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 a work in progress, and they're improving it. There's also been a lot of um, quite sort of minor graphical changes that they've made as well. Like, have you? Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know if this has been a bug that you guys have encountered. I'm sure it's just where my computer was still kind of half-patching in the background almost. But you know that they have the mission board contacts now? Have you seen that? When you go to a mission board, you get a little contact there. Mine was kind of like missing various parts of its uh, facial anatomy, for want of much better terms. (laughs) Um, Just where the textures just hadn't loaded in properly, which I've I've gone and reported as a bug on the forums. But, um, you know... Even if you don't have the actual Horizons update, they've added a load of just real nice little tweaks like that with 1.6, which just generally add to the improvement of life for everybody. Yeah, uh, I did notice that things were a little sharper. I think yeah. some sort of optimization pass. Ships were a little sharper uh, as you closed in on them. Uh, but I was, you know, busy fighting for my life with a novice <laughs> anaconda. So I was, you know, the, the beauty and the spectacle was a little bit lost on me. And then over in Infinity Land, Flavian is hard at work on the new netcode. He is currently looking for a replacement to the open dynamics engine that controls ship physics. The current favorites are Bullet, a double precision engine that unfortunately gets kind of messy when attempting to multi-thread, and PhysX by NVIDIA, which supports hyper-threading but not double precision. Mr. Rock, meet my friend Mr. Hardplace. Flavian is currently running all three side-by-side for testing. So it's having kind of a compilation nightmare as each physics system has to be compiled in its own unique special snowflake kind of way. So far, physics is winning. Integration is a lot smoother and is much less prone to errors thanks to the hyper-threading. Also, a little news regarding the next patch. It should have been here by now, but things have been delayed. The patch is still coming soon, TM, but no word yet on official dates. Rest assured that as soon as we have a date, we will let you know. And times have been kind of rough in the space sim world recently. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard yet, Mark Skelton has actually uh, left CIG. The No Man's Sky release date was pushed back, and he who is allowed to be named again is a topic of conversation again. Given that, we thought we'd pass along a few things that we discovered to cheer you all up. Fear not. Those of you who want even more exotic options for a character selection in space, Goat Simulator is releasing their Waste of Space expansion. The trailer pokes fun at most of the biggest sci-fi game and movie franchises. Actually, gameplay is harder to determine, but there appear to be some nods to the space simina in there. For those of you crying into your whiskey about the No Man's Sky delay, an alternative has arisen to tide you over. Norman's Sky is a space sim that puts you in the cockpit and lets you fly to any point of light you can see in the procedurally generated night sky. It seamlessly lets you land on planets in glorious 8-bit graphics, accompanied by the sound effects you know and love from early 90s gaming. The game was built in just under 10 hours as part of a game jam, but even still, there's support for all controllers featuring a WASD layout. And if you're wondering about VR support, you're kind of missing the point here. Uh, Download Norman Sky now at their website. Links will be in the show notes. (laughs) I thought that was so 
80s classic there. I was just loving it. <laughs> Norman's, Norman's Sky. Sorry, I realize the British accent, it can get a bit yes. ambiguous at best. It's probably what they were going for when you think about it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can get two months of gameplay out of that. You think you can get two months of gameplay out of that? Out of Norman's Sky? I reckon sure. so. If you, you know, if, if you have issues, you can certainly get two months worth of gameplay out of it. Um, it is, I mean, <laughs> considering the game was made in under ten hours, it actually has quite a lot of features and quite a solid base to even build out from. I mean, the whole thing is procedurally generated. It creates uh, millions of points of light in the night sky and you can fly towards any of them. Each of them uh, have a planet and you can land on the planet. You know, just take that, add a few extra buildings onto it and maybe a couple of missions here and there and you've, you've actually got yourself a pretty solid little game there. A uh, 8-bit cutscene that says all your base are belong to us. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Throw that in there. Yeah. Have you guys seen the trailer for the Goat Simulator Waste of Space expansion? I didn't click play. Oh, <laughs> is, is that a step too far? Or yeah, just you know, I, it, you know, it's uh, it reminds me of uh, it's like it's like a it's like a video game version of Mad Magazine. I mean, it's just like yes, just, all all of the random crazy you know spoof and satire ideas that they could mix in. They just they did it, and and they want you to pay five bucks, which you know that is a per, almost perfect analogy for Mad Magazine. Yep, yeah, yep. Um, there's. If anybody hasn't seen the trailer, there are some uh, great references to various sci-fi franchises in there, including uh, the pretty enigmatic shot from uh, Star Wars Episode Eight, where Kylo Ren lights up his lightsaber, and you see the two little jets come out sideways to make the sort of handguard of the lightsaber. They... Okay, you know what we're going to do? Uh, uh, Mikey, Mikey, uh, go ahead and uh, put in some good radio here, and let's just all take a break and watch this thing. Well, that was delightful. That that uh, yeah, great. It was certainly great, great, great satire. Yeah, it, it's got yeah, it, it's got a narrative. You can tell. You can mm. tell there's a firm storyline there. Yeah, and it is all of your favorite space sims mashed into one complete irreverent package. It's great. It's 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 Mad Magazine on a video game. Yeah, it totally is Mad Magazine on a video game with goats. With goats. So now it's time for news we didn't use. A new game called House of the Dying Sun has just gone to early access on Steam. It primarily involves in-cockpit dogfighting, but it also seems to include some elements of commanding a fleet via tactical view, and possibly some 4X gameplay elements as well. Descent Underground's Underground is getting a bunch of tweaks like ship health improvements and missile behavior. More importantly though, co-op is now on Underground. Now you can kill others with your friends. Also, pathfinding improvements are coming uh, to put more eye into the AI. The new system takes more advantage of the full six degrees of freedom that the game allows. The May Jump Point is available for Star Citizen subscribers, as well as a new space plant for their hangars coming soon. Rebel Galaxy version 1.08 has been released, now with multi-language support. I find that the Descent Underground with friends play is really cool. Think about it. We could get our squad together and, and go dominate the server. 
Yeah, I don't know what friends you have that would do that, but I would I would be like the one being dominant. Oh, come save your ass. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, good. All right, you'll save my ass. All I was going to say was sort of a bit tongue-in-cheeky stuff, which is uh, Stellaris has been released, which is a grand strategy game from Paradox. So if anybody out there has played uh, Crusader Kings 2 or Hearts of Iron or even Europa Universalis 4, which I've been known to just play for like thousands of hours, then yeah, it's basically all of that in space. So how I'm still on this show and haven't requested seven weeks off yet, I don't know. You're a responsible adult, that's why. Well, responsible... You, you fake know. it. You, you haven't, it real well. you haven't yeah. acute enough uh, vacation time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the thing is, I'm, I'm European. We get five weeks as standard. Yes, so but see, you're just, gone yeah, almost every other week for a week at a time, so you haven't acute <laughs> enough vacation time. Well, that's just... Yeah, okay, fine, fine. Let's go with that. I, on the other hand, have quite a bank of vacation time. Well, yeah, like since the beginning of time. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Jeff's going to wrap around the space-time continuum with his vacation time. The end of the universe is going to come. He's going to cash in his his, his uh, unused sick leave and vacation time, and the Big Bang will start over again. Which, that actually explains a lot, because scientists aren't really too sure what happens if the universe were to stop expanding. And actually, it's Jeff cashes in his vacation, and the whole thing just starts <laughs> over. <laughs> we are truly in the golden age of space sims right now, given the number and variety of titles either available or coming soon at TM. Or... Maybe this is the Silver Age. Gamers who were around for the 90s and early 2000s will remember that most of our simming then was done as a member of the Terran Confederation, the Galactic Terran Vesudan Alliance, the Rebellion, or the Empire. We completed missions with colorful wingmen or crews set among sweeping storylines. Now, most missions and associations last, you know, maybe three or four runs before that character growth stops. Associations or affiliations are often sparse and fleeting, giving everyone the freedom to pursue other interests without tying them down or hindering them. Is the lack of story-driven games a problem, leaving only those gamers with a desire to join a larger player organization for their narrative fix? Gentlemen, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to debate for us narrative-driven space sims. Based on reports from clinical psychiatrists, Lennon is able to focus on a single task for days at a time to the exclusion of the rest of life, while Jeff has the attention span of a hummingbird on cough syrup. So, Lennon, tell us, why is the narrative-driven space sim the best space sim? Tony, the narrative-driven space sim is the best space sim because much like when you start anything, like life, for example, when you start out in the game, you are the lowest level you could possibly be. You are basically the baby, the child, the toddler in this large, expansive universe. And like most people know, toddlers aren't really able to find their own purpose in life. They need direction. They need story. They need to be led from point A to point B in order to actually accomplish anything of any worth. Jeff, your reply. Oh, Lennon, you ignorant slut. And I've always wanted to say that. How many times can you take the heart of the tiger? How many times can you drive the Kalrathi back into its own space? Does the game end for you then? Because it certainly does for me, and for most gamers it does too. When the story ends, so does the game. And there you are. Well, I guess that's what they want, for you to buy the next version of the game. Lennon, your rebuttal. Tony, you ignorant slut. The the main reason why we have these narrative-driven space sims is that the creator has a vision for us. They create this whole universe, this whole world. They carefully set up many different political factions and machinations between them, uh, as well as the central conflicts, and they build it all up with a sense of drama. If you leave that to the players to have to discover on their own, you know, you end up with just a lot of people wandering around a darkened room, just bumping into each other with no real sense of purpose. 
Jeff, please close it out. Oh, Tony, you ignorant slut. I guess when it comes down to it, you'd rather have a course plotted and set for you by some scriptwriter who has probably written only 10 pages of the novel he was trying to, to write in high, in high school after playing some fantastic uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. But, of course, that's what most people are used to. I think that the open-ended uh, you know, utility of a space sim means that you can explore the universe at your whim. Right, good debate, and um, I do appreciate how I was the slut that entire time. I, that was a good twist, guys. Yeah. Good twist. I, I do. I like that. That was, that was that was well played. Well played. But it's like the old political thing goes. You know, Jeff brought up a very valid point that I could not defeat. So the best way to defeat it was to call you an ignorant slut. And, and I really right. had nothing against Lennon yet, anyway. So after the first one, I had to go back to Tony. <laughs> uh, well, you know. Changing it up, making this new and fresh every week. It's good. Yeah. So, what what are your thoughts, Tony, on on narrative driven versus sandbox space sim? Well, I think it's it's always clunky when the narrative uh, sort of like gives you time off. Like you're you're like Lennon saying, you know, you're you're introduced to a big dramatic thing, and like it's very the tutorial is always like, oh my god, we have to escape from this thing, or you know, you're thrown into this middle of this chaotic stuff, and that's why I have to explain to you in baby steps how to walk. You've just been hit in the head. Do you not remember how to walk? Well, you hit the W key, right? Obviously. So, uh, it, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but now you can take some time off and learn the mining technique. If you like mining, go mine for a while. We'll get back to you as soon as the, you know, impending doom of the universe really, really ramps back up. Uh, so there's always that, it's a little clunky when you let people off the narrative. But on the other hand, if you want to have, like, quote, the end game, like Jeff's saying, some replayability, you got to have a, 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 a pasture that people can get put out to, where they can spend the rest of their days, you know, doing doing things that uh, that uh, they enjoy, and they have to have learned that at some point during the actual gameplay. So, it's it's a tension. It's a it's a serious tension. You know, if you want to enjoy the game again, you wait ten years. I mean, really, that's what I did with Wing Commander and, and X Wing versus Tie Fighter. Uh, in those those games, you just you know you wait a number of years and you can go back and play them again because the story is you remember bits and pieces of it. But that's not to say that story is not valuable to space simming. I think that there should be and even in open ended space sims, you need some type of, of storyline, some where it's going to go. You know, it's just like Star uh, Star Wars. You know, um, Knights of the Old Republic. You know, that's an MMO. But it has a it, ha- it it drives you through to exploring other areas and to taking on different roles or doing different things that you probably wouldn't have d- done if you were just left to your own devices. Yeah, no, I I completely agree there. Uh, that even if you have a sandbox style thing then you i think it is good to have a story thread because then it actually gives you the option to ignore it if you so choose if you want to be swept up in the big epic narrative you get the option of joining in the the sort of the river as it goes along but you know if you are quite happy just mining your way from level one to 100 then you should have that option as well yes whilst most of us like to play the heroes in games not all of us have to be the heroes in games so yeah, different strokes for different folks, really. That's all, that always struck me as strange too. If you're going to have a you know a large multiplayer game, not everybody can be the hero, and it makes very little sense. There can only uh, be to structure. 
100,000. <laughs> I, I think that's why games like Second Life and those kinds of things didn't really appeal to me because I, I just can't be dropped into a game without knowing what to do next or, or having the option of doing something next. You know, it's like... Uh, okay, I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs, wondering what I should do now. Yeah, it's like you always need that carrot to chase. Whether you want to chase it or not is a different issue. Well, but yeah, having it there. Kind of personality, I guess. Well, I, I do I do like the idea of having the carrot sort of placed on the counter, you know, in front of you and going, you know, there's carrot here if you want to. And if you take that carrot, you know, you'll find another carrot in the drawer on the other side of the counter where the carrot is. And, and by the way, then you'll see the carrot, this other carrot in the cabinet. And you can go through all, all throughout the house and explore the entire house that way. Or if you're just happy sitting at the kitchen table, that's okay too. I like the idea of having the option to follow the narrative to explore parts of the game you wouldn't necessarily go to on your own, but having a, a different a, a path set up for you to advance if you want to leave the narrative alone. Well, now you know our thoughts on it. We want to hear yours. So this week's community question, do narrative-driven space sims need to come back into the fold, or are they relics to look back on fondly but have no place in modern gaming? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post over on our show thread at guardfrequency.com. And now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! Some say if you part his beard the right way, it shows a map to Atlantis. If you say his name three times backwards in public, you'll get some strange looks. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Last week's community question was... Well... If the Shiv put all the feedback in here, and even if he ran the TLDRinator like 15 times, it would still be longer than the entire previous Guard Frequency catalog. Uh, maybe this statement was ran through the hyperboleanator. But uh, in any case, he and in fact all of us here at Guard Frequency read uh, everything on the Star Citizen Reddit, the DS Reddit, the website comments, Twitter, email, and more. And then the Shiv jam-packed it all into the summaryinator, and this is what came out. Many people's comments were merged, so we're not trying to put words in anybody's mouth or anything. Uh, also, no names are listed because there were over, you know, roughly 9,000-ish, approximately. Tony, I would like to say something after reading all those comments real quick here. We're not, by any means, journalists, but we uh, guard frequency here. We try to have journalistic integrity, for whatever that's worth. But I was surprised by people getting it, you know, what we were trying to do, and, and I appreciate sure. that. I appreciate our listener. Uh, I think all of us here at our guard frequency appreciate those of you who, who got it. My hat's off to you, loyal listeners. No, I, I agree. I mean, uh, overall, I mean, we knew we were taking on a controversial thing, and overall, once again, I, I'm, I was really very pleased with uh, even a Reddit was mostly, yeah, you know, civil. Oh yeah, which is yeah, it was quite a shock. But but uh, you know, kudos to everybody that uh, kept it civil, and uh, we appreciate the the feedback. And uh, like I said, we'll try to sum we'll try to summarize it here because there was a bunch. Yep. So the the first part of the condensed feedback. Uh, in fact, we'll do it all as bullet points. We'll take it all one each. So uh, starting us off. Why did you give this guy a soapbox to preach from? Crowdfunding projects from talking pet collars, religious organizations, performing arts, and floor sweepers. None of those had to give accounting for their books. Thanks for getting this out there. These issues needed addressing. Derek Smart's interview is full of contradictions. His explanations of early access versus crowdfunding is really confusing. Was it to try to put Line of Defense in a good light and Star Citizen in a bad light? Is this a setup to cancel Line of Defense? Many were confused. Some were really not sure that this was a good idea. 
Guard Frequency did a great job in this interview. Guard Frequency didn't ask Derek Smart the hard questions or call him out on his lies or contradictions. Derek cleaned up well, so to speak, for the interview. Guard Frequency is no longer a Star Citizen fancast and has betrayed the Star Citizen community. Guard Frequency didn't give any counterpoints to Derek Smart's opinions. It's like you just accepted everything he said. This has to be the worst episode ever. This interview was really important many months ago. Two different timestamp summaries of the entire interview with listener commentary. What this interview did best was set up a backstory that explains why DS sees things the way he does. Like season one of Daredevil, introducing us to Fisk, and why he acts like he does. Derek Smart says, insert fact here, but link to information refutes his claim. In hindsight, maybe splitting Star Citizen into a funding project separate from Squadron 42 would have been a good idea. Gobs of downvotes on our Star Citizen, loads of upvotes on our Derek Smart. Releasing financials is a bad idea. Most backers won't understand them, and this can be taken advantage of to sow fear among the backers, kind of like the local news about whatever is causing cancer this week. CIG has been upfront for the most part on development issues, such as animation, converting to 64-bit, crossing the dev streams, etc. You should have had had Derek on to talk about his own game, not someone else's. Did EA ever release financials when Chris Roberts was working there before Digital Anvil? I think not. The monthly reports show progress about where the money is being spent. Lists of how Derek Smart contradicted himself in the interview. The reason Guard Frequency didn't confront or ask the tough questions is because everyone knows Derek Smart would have rage quit. While the building metaphor was grating at times, it kept the discussion on track. In the end, he seems to understand he has no legal standing, so I think he wants public blood. And finally, Derek has had some meltdowns, taken some cheap shots, he has dared CIG to sue him, and done some indefensible things. Yet, at this point, he has proven more credible in his critiques of Star Citizen than Chris Roberts has in his predictions for it. Oh. We this is the general tenor. Uh, we we kind of ran it through, summarized it. You know, kind of it went it went the it went the range. But again, most of it was really really good. We only had to reject I think one comment off the website. Uh, let's be civil, everyone. Let's be civil. But I really wanted to address uh, just a, a couple things here. After the show, Derek wrote back to us privately asking us to address some specific listener feedback. In response, I've offered to let you all know that he has addressed those things on his website. And I want to go back to the very first critique we read. Why did we give Derek a soapbox? Well, we did no such thing. As you all know, only approved and qualified guard frequency personnel are authorized to deploy the genuine handcrafted artisanal soapbox for extended rants. You know, if we had given him a soapbox, you would have heard this sound. Lennon. Is this thing on? Okay, all right, good. Uh, one question specifically gets right to the heart of why we did this interview. Theron Shan writes in and says, Tony, you held Derek up as a pivotal figure of sorts in the gaming industry. Why? He's not had one single commercially successful game. It would be like me introducing you as a preeminent attorney who has tried over 500 civil or criminal law cases to sit and pass judgment on the nominee for the Supreme Court. Okay, admittedly a bit of hyperbole. Sounds impressive, right? Until I do some research and find out you've not won a single case. Why would I listen to you? What do you have to teach me? Well, Theron's sentiment was fairly widely echoed, but his analogy obviously caught my attention. A version of that question is pretty commonly asked in law school. Would you rather be a lawyer that wins every case, or would you rather have a record somewhere closer to 50-50? Well, 
the right answer is 50-50, and here's why. They say good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from surviving bad judgment. In Theron's example, Mr. O for 500, that guy might be the best lawyer in town. He keeps losing, but he never gives up. He hasn't been disbarred for filing frivolous lawsuits, and wait for it, people keep hiring him. A lawyer with a 95% win rate? How hard can his cases be? Is it just an easy paycheck? Does he weed out the clients that are anything but slam dunk victories? Now, what about the guy with the 5% win rate? There's no fear of being unpopular or fighting an uphill battle. He's expected to lose. That guy has seen the worst that the system can throw, and yet he keeps coming back. You know, that's not necessarily the worst person to consult when you're trying to pick a judge. And here's the other thing you learn when you've seen both the winning and losing sides of a verdict. The value of de-escalation. Now, now stick with me here. De-escalation. I know that tactic is not nearly as popular in conflict resolution circles these days as, say, scorched earth or carpet bombing, but it can produce some interesting results from time to time. Eight months ago, the conversation between Guard Frequency and Derek Smart was, quite literally, knock it off, f*** off. And then uh, after an extended cooling off period, Derek made a gesture to us on his Twitter feed, which prompted an email from me, which started an extensive negotiation, which led to an interview, which resulted in a gracious apology from Mr. Smart, which I was only too happy to accept. Now, I don't know particularly what the point of our interview was, or whether merely talking to the guy means we're not a Star Citizen fan cast anymore, or if we, we gave him a platform to advance some ulterior motive or agenda. All I know is, a series of small gestures between two combative parties culminated in a reasonable dialogue and some mutual respect. And if that's the only concrete result that comes of it, it was the right thing to do. And with that, we hope to close for now this topic of discussion, but I am positive we'll be bringing it back up as the news dictates. But let's move on to this week's community question. Do narrative-driven space sims need to come back into the fold, or are they relics to look back on fondly but have no place in modern gaming? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post over on our show thread at guardfrequency.com. So how was the show? Was it a wacky, zany, spacefaring adventure like that uh, that one movie, uh, Star Trek? Or was it airing too much on the serious, realistic side like Spaceballs? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave a comment on this show's post over at GuardFrequency.com? Or hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak. And you can leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. If you're old school like us, just shoot an email to squawk at GuardFrequency.com. You can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 122 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 123 on June the 7th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over on our website, guardfrequency.com. But that's not all! You can also subscribe to our shows over at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you can always join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11pm Central. That's Saturdays at 5am GMT. I also just want to take this moment to make a quick interjection and say really sorry to all of those who had issues with our RSS feeds. For some reason, every now and then that I've still yet to really discover, the website likes to pick the previous 
episode and label that as the latest one. So for a long time, 120 was showing up as 121. We know that the 121 is still not on the feed yet, but it is something that we're working hard on. Uh, in the meantime, though, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, it would have resolved itself. If not, and you really want to hear our last week's episode, just head on over to our website, guardfrequency.com, click on the 121 link, and then go to the download the show link, and then you'll be able to take it and keep it offline for as long as you please. Do you like what we do? You want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Drop an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just a buck twenty-five, you'll get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, as well as being entered into our weekly draw to win some Guard Frequency goodies. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week on week, and hope you'll consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the call sign section for details on how you can fly with us. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivrybean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Shorten Edwards, our staff writers, Jace Pentad and Kin Shadow, our producer, Jeff Grant, and of course, our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. A big shout out to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep blank gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. On the flight deck, we see what news has landed from your favorite space sims as we cover, uh, as we cover including... On the flight deck, we see what news has landed from your... Our star citizen... I can't even get started citizen out now. And speaking of star citizen, the uh, headlines, which I'm not supposed to read the links out. Wow, that's stupid. This is going great, guys. I I think we've we've nailed it. We're on a roll. Definitely on a roll. And speaking of star citizen, CIG seems to have been dying to put out the back... Ah. Buccaneer. Buccaneer. The Buccaneer. The Buccaneer. The Buccaneer. I was just beginning to segue into that. but Oh. Good job. Good job. Carry on. Oh. Please do. I'm going to punch my mic, apparently. And after the launch fervor died down, elite citizens are going to begin participating. Oh. Has died down. And after the launch fervor has died down, elite citizens are going to begin. Per- God. What is the matter with me tonight? Uh, you kind of cut off there at the end. Audacity got it. <laughs> okay. Well, good enough then. Well, that's uh, too much. Can you get I... or imagination to make up their own internal narrative? My God, that is a sentence that is just, dear Lord, it that's like never ends. It just is a never. It's a sentence that keeps on giving. Okay, uh, which means it's about to be edited down and cut. Yes, it is about to be. <laughs> There's pun- punctuation inbound. There we go. Uh, okay, so there's that. Uh, or is the lack of story... Does, is Austrian aware that, you know, punctuation doesn't actually cost us anything? Yeah, it's all free. It yeah. comes comes free with the Google Google subscription. Yeah, that, that works. Okay. okay, there we go. The thing that I really like about this, though, is that 
like everybody on the stream and on patreon we're here is saying oh no oh no can't do that oh yeah that works and they have no idea what the original was so for all they know we haven't changed a thing well we have we have it, it, it happened it happened live it happened right here the sausage is being made right in front of your very ears okay here we go. <laughs> um sir all right shut up beep, beep. what if i don't accept admission it's like you're giving me a choice well you can fight about and i don't have a choice you can fight about that you can fight about it in the debate shut up <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> And I was going to add something up there to the beginning of your paragraph. Stop, Jeff. I didn't have time. Stop it. Stop, Jeff. I'm not saying go, Jeff. I'm saying stop, Jeff. (laughs) Guard frequency is no longer a star citizen. Start. Ah. We'd like to to tank the theme. Yes, we would. We would. We open on Coffee Stain. (laughs) Gone North Games. Boom. Yes. Tatooine, sort of. There has been an incident. Oh no, an incident. Have you felt it? Oh dear. (laughs) Oh, it gets better. Okay, so Landspeeder drives off on a Landspeeder. No one believes in space anymore. This colony is not going to build itself. I totally (laughs) dig the Arnold Schwarzenegger dude. Yes. Crowd kicker. Crowd kicker. They (laughs) are our last resort. Help me, Pilgore. You are my only goat. Your only goat. Nice. You're my only goat. Yep. Together. (laughs) Guy in the bathroom. We'll forge this empire. I'll be the governor of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a bastards? lightsaber. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> a lightsaber's <laughs> nice touch. It's like a giant kick. Oh my god. Yeah. Spocky. Oh man, someone's getting sued. Those are perfect replicas of the Star Trek Next Generation uh, uniforms. And we will make them pay. People have the money. We will make them pay. <laughs> no. Okay. You are a good too. 